we seem to be convinced that in order to protect the environment, we need to deny ourselves a life of abundance. And so the movement has been focused on what we need to stop, what we need to ban. This makes for very effective slogans, but it may just be the single biggest threat to the success of the environmental movement in moving beyond our industrial throwaway economy to a culture that can sustain abundance for the long-term future. For the most part, bans are BS. They focus us on what we're losing, they generate opponents, and they just don't work. Hi, I'm Bill Shireman, and I'm disrupting the dividers and reminding us that we are all, red or blue, capitalist or activist, in this together. Since the time I leaped into the environmental movement on Earth Day in 1970, I have heard and at times accepted the premise that to counteract the fossil fuel industry and its political power, we in the environmental community need to err on the side of a little more radical than we would even choose in real life in order to flank the industry sufficiently so that lawmakers and policymakers err right in between our positions. And that psychology, that strategy has been used over and over again to justify turning attractive slogans into counterproductive policy proposals. It's simply easy to say, here's a bad thing, we're going to ban it. We generated a lot of support when we said, well, let's ban the can when cans were first introduced. And then not long after that, we found, well, cans are actually the best recycling at that time. So then we wanted to ban the bottles, ban glass. And later on, of course, plastic started entering in. We wanted to ban the plastic. Now, those early efforts to ban things entirely without really knowing what the full consequences would be did lead to compromises that in most cases were better. We developed deposit systems and recycling systems that radically reduced the waste of and improved the recycling of all of these materials. In every case, the effect of a ban locked us into a technology that might have been better marginally at the time, but that over the years would become much worse. Now in the excitement over electric cars, California has chosen to step ahead, they think, by mandating that only electric cars can be sold in the state after a date certain. Now, I love electric cars, and I wish I could have afforded one a few years ago. I might barely be able to today, but many people cannot. Furthermore, what this effectively does is it drives down our options for transportation to just one technology, and we don't know what the path of transportation technologies is going to be. This is an application of the ideological position that we can and need to eliminate all use of fossil fuels within a very short period of time, five years, 10 years, 20 years. There is a flaw in that thinking, quite a number of flaws. First and foremost, you have unexpected and undesirable substitutions that are made. Banning throwaway plastic bags in California has resulted in a huge market for so-called reusable plastic bags that are several times thicker than the tossaways and increase the amount of plastic waste that we consume. Now, the other part of that policy was to simply charge a fee 
for your bags. And that has been extraordinarily effective. If we ban the production, sale, and use of fossil fuels in the United States, rather than, say, adopting a carbon price that would actually drive down the use of fossil fuels across the board, not only here but abroad, we will lock ourselves into technologies that in certain applications will involve much more pollution and much more waste than using fossil fuels in a responsible manner and paying for that carbon. Now, that's a slightly complicated economic theory. So let me give you a simpler political one. By adopting the position that we need to completely stop any project that extracts, processes, or transports fossil fuels in the United States, we draw the dollars and we draw the enthusiasm of the leftmost 15% of America's voters. But we lose the middle 70% because most people think it is unwise to take any major option, particularly a dominant option, completely off the table in a very short period of time. So the people oppose the idea. You've created opponents across the board. First, you've created opponents of 95% of the chambers of commerce across the country and of their member businesses who are worried about the imposition of limits and controls that may impose much higher prices and costs on them and give them much less flexibility to earn a profit and stay in business. Then you've lost the industrial sector and their unions and employees, and that doesn't help you with the Democrats or the Republicans. In addition, the investors that still have major stakes in oil and gas, this is something that upsets them and they will oppose it. So you've got the finance sector now against you. And finally, of course, you've got every oil and gas company against you. The idea of being able to establish that policy in a kind of democracy is a fantasy at its best. What we need are policies that are more pragmatically focused on driving down the emissions of carbon that are the real problem. Since climate change is a global phenomenon, we need to reduce carbon emissions globally, not just in the United States. If we cut off the supply of natural gas from the United States, then we become dependent on economies that produce and use natural gas in ways that generate three to five times the carbon pollution that they do when they are provided from the United States, where we have the most effective pollution controls in place. You could speculate, as some do, that, well, once the United States bans these, the rest of the world will too. We're setting an example for the rest of the world. Well, that's a rationalization that is unlikely to work out in the real world. And we can certainly see that from the war in Ukraine, which is funded by the sale of Russian fossil fuels that could be undermined if we provided better fossil fuels, cleaner fossil fuels in place of theirs. So in my view and in the view of a few other folks, it's actually much better for the environment for the United States to continue to produce fossil fuels in a way that is far more environmentally sustainable than when they are produced in authoritarian regimes that could give a damn about protecting the public from the consequences of sloppy extraction. The bigger threat that's caused by making ourselves and the rest of the world dependent on autocratic regimes for our energy is that we lose the democratic republic that we've spent 250 years trying to maintain and improve. And we move into a dangerous future in which we rely 
on the goodwill of our new rising totalitarian dictators to do what's best for the long term. Now, that doesn't mean that we're doing everything right in the United States, but we've got a much better shot of doing it right here. That means that fixing our democracy is actually another important environmental policy set. Unfortunately, the business model of media is built on expressing extreme views that provoke extreme counter views on the other side. It generates tremendous dollars going through the political industry for lobbying and influence peddling. And of course, it raises billions of dollars for and against the policies that can protect our environment. It's time that serious environmentalists took a more nuanced, pragmatic approach. Rather than the crude attack model, where we propose to just eliminate what we don't like and hope that the political process compromises somewhere in the middle, it's time to step up with an agenda that supports clean energy choices across the board, focus on nature-based solutions, protecting our forests, protecting our oceans, and all the rich environmental ecosystems that naturally clean carbon out of the atmosphere. And finally, adopt the simple, sensible incentives that reward people every time they reduce pollution and penalize them when they create pollution. That policy set won't generate as much media, it won't generate as much heat, it won't generate as much political battling, but it will work to systematically drive down the production of carbon, to enhance prosperity in a way that's sustainable, and to allow us to evolve to a higher level of civilization where we actually are able to live out the promise of a real democratic republic where people engage to make decisions that are best for all. That is not BS, but I am, and I'll see you next time.